Hello, and it's time for another quick burst of insight from our micro lesson format. For this bite-sized episode, I've selected a section from the interview that I did with Ben from the Guernsey Cricket Podcast called Under the Covers. We explore the mysterious moon ball, the psychology of 2020 cricket, and some of the training strategies that the world's elite cricketers use to drive up the intensity of their preparation. People often say that they're good in training but then fall apart in the big matches, and that's often because our training is leisurely and low pressure, and then when the matches ramp up with all that intensity and the fear of failure, our techniques just don't hold up. So this session will give you some tips to help you to raise your game. You left uh, Gloucestershire and joined Leicestershire uh, and became somewhat of a, a, a T20 specialist, really. Something that we're going to have to mention is, is the moon ball, which you, which you named. Um, talk to us about that period and also that delivery. Yeah, I can't really escape the moon ball. Um, and the one day 2020 stuff really gave me a second lease of life really um it was we didn't know how serious a tournament 2020 was but it seemed quite fun we were pretty dire in the championship at the time so some you know slog fest and and you know having a bit of a dive around seemed like a good uh, escape from the the sort of brutal reality of four-day cricket that we were struggling in and that that era was all about innovation it was a condensed game you know really distilled down to 20 overs uh, I remember the first practice that we had, we played a game amongst ourselves. And I think we were bowled out for something like 58 uh, in about nine and a half overs because we just thought we had to pommel everything out of the ground and, and the first innings was all over. So even though it was massively shorter than the 50 and 40 over tournaments that we played previously, we knew that we'd still got to build partnerships. We'd still got to keep a you know high tempo momentum through the game rather than just leave it all till the last over. So some of those core principles remained. Um, And from a bowling perspective, obviously you're thinking, God, this is going to be a nightmare. People are just going to smash it out of the park. And and being a non-spinning off spinner, uh, that was a real concern. So uh, I did the normal thing, you know, after one of the net sessions. I think it was Paul Nixon at the time. One of the lads was saying, you know, can you lob me a few up, you know, and let me hit some sixes on a practice hitting my sixes. And I thought, you know, I was actually a bit tired and a bit annoyed with it. So I ran up as fast as I could pulled the pin out of this ball and sort of lobbed it up and then followed through really quickly. So I ended up right next to the batsman's face and they fell on the floor laughing, had three swings at trying to hit it and and of course didn't. And they said, don't bowl like that, bowl properly, I can't hit that. And this sort of moment where the, the sort of light bulb went off, I said, say that again. And they said, oh, you know, I can't hit that. It's it's sort of, it's not a proper ball. And I thought, well, that, that'll do for me. Um, so I actually really tried to uh, develop that and and basically it was again looking at the sort of psychology of how you make decisions we we tend to you know think that we just make the decision as the ball comes out of the bowler's hand but actually the cues before that are so important you know the pace if you think about a fast bowler chirping a batsman saying I'm going to knock your head off their knees are a bit higher they're sort of you know, grunting and snorting as they run into bowl you think it's going to be a bouncer so you've already made that decision before the ball's released so it was a similar kind of thing with spin, not that I was ever going to scare anyone, but I definitely tried to humiliate them. Um, and this idea of running in quickly and making it look like all the energy at the front of the action was going to be really quick, which you would expect in some of these, you know, death overs in, in you know, one day slog fests. 
So putting all the energy into the front, but then releasing the ball earlier and, and really slowly at the top of my action, but then following through really quickly as well, gave a really weird signal that, you know, that looked everything apart from the release point made that look like it was a fast ball. And just that split second of the ball not being where they thought it was took away their core and took away their power position, which is, of course, what the batsmen were relying on. And I hated because they only had to get half a bat on it to hit it out of the ground. The other thing that I changed, which made a difference again, was, you know, traditionally, I think all spinners turn the back on the batsman and walk away from them towards, you know, deep mid off or whatever. And get the ball thrown back to them and then they turn around and get ready for the next ball. But to me, because this time between balls was so important, I couldn't believe that. Why wouldn't I be watching the batsman all that time? So I started to bowl the delivery, you know, end up in the normal sort of follow through position. And then wherever the ball was getting, you know, chucked around the inner circle or whatever, I'd walk back from there, but I'd be watching the batsman because batsmen aren't particularly bright, especially when they're under pressure. And they'd be looking at deep mid on, deep mid wicket, deep square leg, my backward point to see where the angles were. Maybe they were going to reverse sweep or try and hit me out of deep mid wicket. And that's the point when I'd say, oh, and I'd look to deep mid wicket then and say, oh, just move a bit to the side, Dave, or whatever. I think he's coming to you. And just that fact that I'd watch them look where they were hitting it and signal to my fielder to move a bit, first of all, really pissed them off. Um, but secondly, it made them think, I knew what they were trying to do. Um, and that happened because I was walking backwards to my mark rather than turning my back on them. So we should never as spinners, you know, turn our back on the clues because I think the time between balls is where the, a lot of the decision-making happens. So that was another little um, little tweak. And, and then the no run-up, you know, no run-up ball as well. That was another thing. So there's lots of innovations. And I guess all you're trying to do is move from that consistent rhythm. You know, what a batsman wants when they're attacking is that, if you imagine the rhythm of a footfall, it would be ba-dum, 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 hit, ba-dum, 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 hit. So if all of a sudden they get ba-dum, you know, the ball gets presented or ba-dum, 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 hit, you know, you're changing that rhythm. So the, the, the ability to change how high you jump or, you know, bowling off one step and bowling, those kind of things intimidated and frustrated the batsman. Uh, to the point where I'd contaminated what they were trying to do. And, and that was my best weapon, to be honest, because I, you know, I was pretty accurate, but I didn't spin the ball a huge amount. So getting inside the head was my, uh, my game plan. I hope you're enjoying the show. I just wanted to let you know about our digital coaching program, The Winning Mindset, that kicks off again in April. This 30-day challenge is perfect for you if you're an athlete, coach, executive or entrepreneur and you're looking for fresh strategies to transform your confidence, resilience and well-being. We've inspired over a thousand delegates on this programme. So here's a little bit more about how you can join us in the next cohort. Performing like a pro starts by thinking like one. The Winning Mindset is a pioneering digital coaching programme from Sporting Edge. You'll have access to world-class thinkers and performers who'll inspire you with daily five-minute micro-lessons to boost your confidence, resilience and well-being. You'll learn from Olympians, neuroscientists, productivity and well-being experts with bite-sized strategies to help you raise your game. The Winning Mindset. Find out more at www.sportingedge.com or email hello at sportingedge.com. 
I think most people that want to be the best they can be have realized that their mental game is something that they've absolutely got to proactively train. Whether they do that overtly with coaches or not is another thing. But I always encourage, you know, amateurs and, and professional players. We did it with a lot of the professional teams where they'd write on the, the little post-it note on the team bus window, you know, give me three outcomes you want to have improved by the time we come back to the bus after training. So we get dropped off at the stadium at 9.30. I've written down that I want to take 20 catches in a row without dropping one on my left hand. I want to hit the cone, you know, from round the wicket to a left hander 14 times. And I want to have faced bouncers and yorkers to make sure my feet are well balanced. Now that gives me my shopping list of, of accountabilities and focus for my training session today. So I know that I, when I've achieved those things to be really focused in my training session, I'm now more prepared, more confident. And those, those, you know, elements of training and sacrifice and time dedicated to those particular concerns have gone into my bank account of confidence. I am now more confident. You know, writing three things down is not hard. People think sports psychology has got to be something dreamy or whatever. But actually, some of the foundational principles are just common sense. And just doing them and aggregating them day after day really starts to build you know, and connect those sort of mental muscles that we need to become more resilient and stronger under pressure. And like you said, they're, they're pretty easy for, for any age of cricketer to start from, you know, from amateur level right the way to elite as well. Absolutely. But how many of us go, you know, how many of your listeners go to training and just have a net? We worked out that in 2020 cricket in the IPL, someone like Sahail Tanvir, who was jumped off the wrong foot, had a really deceptive action. We were going to use him in one over spells because if he could get a wicket with that over, then that was that was brilliant. So he wasn't particularly happy about this, but I, we basically worked his training out to say, come into the nets and bowl one over, and then you're going to go out onto the main field and do some fielding drills. And then we're going to whistle you and you're going to come back and bowl another six balls. Now, Previous to that, all he'd done was bowl for an hour and then go and have a shower. Now, in the match, that's not what you're asked to do. You're asked to bowl six balls and get a wicket. So all of a sudden, now his training is replicating the match demand that is placed on him. He's in a completely different mindset because his first ball in training has got to be on the money. You know, the same thing we did it with South Africa. We started training on a whistle. So Dale Stain has warmed up his body against a side net, but he hasn't bowled a ball in the net yet. Neither has Mornay Morkel. Um, Graham Smith and Hashim Amla haven't faced a ball yet. So we started on a whistle when everyone was ready. That's very different to Mornay Morkel marking his run-up out and bowling four leg spinners or doing a Shane Warne impression just to Hashim Amla while he takes his guard, which is what normally happens in the nets. But if you think about what happens to Ashim Amla or Graham Smith in the nets, they face Brett Lee, first ball, going full ball. They don't see Brett Lee bowling a few dodgy leg spinners while he marks his run-up out. So it's, it's trying to prepare yourself for the intensity of the question you're going to be asked in your training and making sure you're ready at a mental level for that, a physical level of that. And when you prepare at that level, you're ready. I hope you've enjoyed this short session. I was as guilty as anyone of just going through the motions during training, but we need to make sure that our training is done at that same level of intensity as our match play. There needs to be a consequence and pressure 
in our training so that we don't feel that massive step up when we go into games. I'll probably try and create a, a full episode on the psychology of cricket at some point. I gave my thoughts in the Telegraph newspaper this week on how England's batsmen can reframe that really tough challenge of batting on those spinning conditions in India. So those points are in LinkedIn on my account if you want to come and join uh, the discussion. Also, remember to come and look at our 30-day winning mindset program on sportingedge.com. That's an absolute game changer for your confidence and career. So I look forward to welcoming you on that next cohort. And also, please do share the Women Who Win episode as we celebrate International Women's Day on March the 8th. That's it for today. I'll be back with another main episode next week. So until then, good luck.